hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Just to get it out of the system, I'm going to go to John chapter 20. Um, I'm going to start with verse 18. Uh, but just for all, everybody's information, uh, Flynn was indicted and pled guilty. Okay? The Senate has passed the tax bill. They'll be meeting this week to discuss between the House and the Senate. Okay? I'm going somewhere. Uh, Marshall basketball won last night. Ohio State won. So in uh, Alabama, uh, we're, we're, Auburn got beat, so we're trying to figure out who the top four teams for the football NCAA um, playoff game is going to be. I'm just bringing it to speed on the current events because I'm going to tell you something that's even more current after I tell you all that. All right? Is that Okay. Interest rates are expected to go up probably sometime a little bit, maybe a quarter percent, sometime this month in December. Okay? Tillerson was going to be thrown out of his Secretary of State position, but that was a laughing stock, and now Trump and him both said that wasn't true. It was fake news, so he's still in. <laughs> Stock market hit 24,000 points, which is a record high. Bengals still have a chance for playoffs. The Browns do not. Why did I tell you all that? Yeah. Good. Well, he needs a Bible study. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Well, here's what I'm telling you. All that stuff's what you've been inundated with all week. That's on your C-SPAN, CNN, your Fox, MSNBC, and all those. But, but as real as that is, there's something even more real. It's more relevant, even though that's relevant. Even though all those things affected our lives this past week and will affect our lives in the future, right? In some degree or fashion. There's one thing that is even more relevant, and it's in John chapter 20, and I'm gonna show it to you, starting in verse 18. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. And then he was gone. <laughs> I can read it on here. <laughs> Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken things to her. Okay? Then the same day at that evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst. And he said unto them, peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto him his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my father has sent me, even so I send, I, so send I you. And when he had said this, listen to this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins, here we go, ye remit, 
they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord, they're telling Thomas this. But he said to them, listen, except I shall see in, my, in, in his hands the prints of the nails, and I'm able to put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them this time. Then, he, then came Jesus again, the door was being shut, and, stood, and Jesus stood in the midst. And he said again, peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, and behold my hands, and reach your, your hand and thrust it into my side. Look at this, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast believed, thou hast, because thou have seen, you believe. Blessed are they that have not seen, but yet they still believe. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book. Everything Jesus did is not written in the Bible. But the Bible couldn't contain all the things Jesus did. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Look at this. And that believing without seeing, you might have life through his name. And I want you to walk with me for just a few moments here. You gotta understand, Jesus walked with these guys for three and a half years. They were tight. And they were, he was telling them all about this kingdom that was coming. You know, he was healing people, raising people from the dead, putting ears back on that Peter would cut off. He was opening up blind eyes, feeding 5,000 people with just two fish and five loaves. All these different miracles that are recorded in the scripture and the gospels, we are able to see that. And those guys were firsthand witnesses and eye testimony. I mean, they saw that thing and they're able to say, I saw it. Not just that I heard about it, but I saw it. Living testimonies, living witnesses. If they were subpoenaed in court against Jesus, they'd have to say, did you see? And they'd have to say, I saw I witnessed, it happened, right? Now all of a sudden, they start, Jesus laces this message in the middle of all of this, these healings and deliverances and this kingdom and, and they're thinking he's gonna come and set up this kingdom on the earth that is going to overshadow everything that the, the Roman government and, government and all the religious system had to set up, had already set up. They're coming to, come, he's coming to set us free. But at least in the middle of all these, these wonderful things he was doing, setting people free, you know, uh, loving the, the, the poor, um, you know, uh, healing all the sick, um, taking in all the sinners, the people that nobody else, the outcasts, the people that, the, 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 the underdog, for the underdog, all, all of those, just the advocate of all the, uh, the people that were, that were outcasts of society. He looks at all these people and he brings them to himself. And then Jesus says, in the middle of all that, hey guys, I'm gonna die and it's necessary that I die. So in the midst of all of this wonderful testimonial evidence that's going on, a message underneath it all says, the only way I'm gonna be able to have transfer this all to you is that I have to die. Now, they didn't understand that part of the message for the longest time. Because for three and a half years, they witnessed this, they walked with him, and then as the days got closer to his crucifixion and, and, and death and burial and resurrection, as the days got closer, he became more narrow in his, his message to them, saying, listen, 
eat of my body and drink of my blood. And I'm with you now, but I'm not always gonna be with you. And I, I, there's a coming a time when you're gonna, you're gonna fast now, but don't fast now because I'm with you, but there's gonna be a time when I'm not gonna be with you anymore. And he starts telling them all this and he gives them this paradox of a message that says, everything is incredibly good, but enlaced in all that is some incredible, incredibly hard things. So you're gonna have overcoming times and joyous experiences but it's gonna cost something. It, it, it's, it's painful when you press in. And, and, and they don't understand that because all they're seeing is the fruit of his work. So they, they, they shut out that part of the message even though they hear it and don't understand it and embrace this wonderful thing that Jesus is doing until about a day before he dies and the reality thing starts setting in and he's going to the cross and they're all looking to each other going, now, wait a minute, you know, here's, this is the one we put our faith in for the last three and a half years. I know he said he's gonna tear down the temple and in three days he'll restore it, but I don't understand what that means because he talks sometimes in spiritual language that makes us a little bit confound and confuses us. So I don't know what he's saying, but I just, I don't know what it means, but here we are on Passover and they lead Jesus to the cross Jesus is hanging there on the cross. They're beating him. They, 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 they pierce him with the, in the side. Blood and water comes out of his side. They, they put the, the, the nails in his hands and his feet. And, he, and he's hanging on this cross. And all these guys that put all of their confidence in the good story and the good evidences and the testimony and the witness of what's good that's supposed to happen is experiencing something that's contrary to what they have witnessed for the last three and a half years. The man healed people that were dead and he's dying. He's blessing the people that are cru crucifying him. It just doesn't make sense to the natural mind. And they're going, this is, this is crazy. He's our guy, and here we put our faith in him, but what do you do when the story that you've been believing in and the faith that you have in that story or in that person, in God, but your circumstances and what you're looking at doesn't line up with the story that you've been believing in? What do you do when your circumstances of life are contrary to where your hope is? What do you do? Are you, are you rocked and shaken? If you're not, there's something wrong with you. We're far past the place in the body of Christ when you're going through something and it hurts and the pain is so hard and you can't explain it away, you can't pray it away, you can't fast it away, and he doesn't seem to be moving, he's not working it, something's not, it's not happening. You can't, and the first thing you do is you begin to evaluate yourself and say, what have I done wrong, right? And once you get exhausted yourself by evaluating yourself, then you begin to say, God, is this gonna be my lot in life? Do I have to live with this? But your hope is still in him, but your life circumstances does not line up with what you're hoping and praying. And then every week you come to church and they preach the good news, God's faithful, God's this, God's this. But sometimes your life doesn't match up and your circumstances don't match up with the good news. That's a hard place to live. You gotta put yourself in the disciples' place. They put their entire faith in a man that was walking along and called them and said, if I call you and you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Just because you're called doesn't make you fishers of men. It's if you follow him, he'll make you fishers of men. And there's a difference between being called and then following after him because you only become 
through the process, not just because you're called. The process is hard. There's times when you doubt. And, and, and like I was saying, we're so far past the time when the body of Christ, there was a time when I'd see people in their back would be hurting and be, they couldn't even hardly stand up straight. And I'd say, man, how you feeling? And they'd say, I'm blessed, highly favored. My back is healed. And I'd say, man, that's wonderful. Stand up straight. And they'd say, well, I can't stand up straight yet, but I know God's gonna hear. And they were so afraid to confess something that seemed like it was negative because somebody had boxed them in that if they spoke the words, they would create in the words in their, in their life, and if they said something negative, it was gonna keep them in that humped over position longer than necessary, right? So it became, the words are power. You're creating your word, and all that is true, but absence of the revelation of life and him in your life, you'll box yourself into a, a procedure or a template rather than relationship. Right? It's okay when you can't stand up straight to say my back's hurting. Because if your heart is positioned in a way that says, even though my back is hurting and I can't stand up straight, I know he's still faithful. I know he is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And even though everything I don't feel or see is not lining up with what I know, I'm not gonna change what I know and I'm not gonna get into this denial thing of I'm living in some fantasy land, right? I'm gonna try to synchronize what I do know and what I'm really experiencing. And the only way you're gonna ever do that is when truth in him starts getting to into the truth in you. I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen a guy on his deathbed laying there and hospice called in and I go over to, to pray for him and, and the man's barely even able to talk and he looks up and he says, man, I, I, he says, I, don't, I don't know that I'm gonna be able to, to make it. And, 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 and the, the, the daughter swarms over top of him and says, don't say that, that's a negative confession. Don't say that, it's a negative confession. And, and I understand what she's saying, don't get me wrong. I understand completely what she's saying. But in the next breath, the man says, but I love the Lord. And I said, say that. That was a positive confession. Say that. That would trump the last bad one that you just said. This isn't a chess match. This isn't. This is a relationship. This is a, this is a raw, passionate, he knows you and you know him. He knows your inadequacies, your insufficiencies, your, 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 your insecurities, your, 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 your dependencies, your codependency. He knows all that stuff about you. He just wants you to be real as you approach his reality. Right? So the disciples were frustrated. They're afraid. The Bible says they were in fear. Hiding from the Jews. These are 12 guys <laughs> that walked within three and a half years. If they were afraid hiding in a room, it says they were afraid. It's okay sometimes to just admit, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the outcome of this situation. You don't have to be fake. You can be real. You can be raw. 
If the writer of the book said they were in fear, they were afraid. Now, just because they were afraid, hiding from the Jews, and the door was shut to secure themselves, and they hid themselves behind the door, in our life today, and the way it's taught to us today, is because of the fear would be doubt and unbelief. The door was shut, they were afraid, their world was rocked, they didn't know what was going on, all they knew is they heard he resurrected, they seclude themselves into their own little world, and lo and behold, even though the door was locked to keep the Jews out, Jesus penetrated the door. He will come in behind your closed doors. Your fear and you're afraid and you're scared and you're concerned, your worry and your anxiety will not keep him out. It's not that powerful. If it was, we'd worship it. Oh God, you gotta get this. Oh, this is, this is gonna change your life. This is gonna change your approach. The disciples are here, so here comes Jesus walking in the midst and he says, Here's what he basically said. I sense your fear. You're afraid. But, but, but peace be unto you. You have fear. I'll give you peace. Take my peace. The disciples believed him. There was one missing. His name was Thomas. Jesus disappears. He's gone. The guys go and tell Thomas and say, you are not gonna believe this. You're not gonna believe it. We were scared to death, Thomas, hiding in that room away from the, the, the Jews. We didn't know what was happening. The world was turned upside down. We'd given our whole life to this guy and what we were experiencing in our personal life did not line up with what he had taught us for three and a half years. I can't figure it out. All I know is anxiety was taking over our life. Fear was taking over our life. I was concerned. I didn't know what was going to happen. And, 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 and Thomas, where were you? Why weren't you in there with us? What were you out there doing? Did you backslide, Thomas? You go out back out into the world, make friends with the Jews? Go out there and try to be a little worldly because you were trying to play both sides against the middle, Thomas? Where were you? All I know is we saw the one in here that was, we were with three and a half years. And he, all he said, he didn't do anything. He didn't say, come outside the room. He didn't say that. All he said was, you have fear, peace I give unto you. Right. That's all he said, was peace. Well, that was a, that was a little bit, we need a little bit more of that than, than, from, than just peace, Jesus. So he looks at Thomas and they say, where were you at, Thomas? Where you? Eight days later, they're in a, the room again. The door shut still hiding from the Jews. Now Thomas is with them. I want you to see what happens. Jesus looks at them and they're, they're talking. Thomas missed the first meeting. Jesus comes waltzing in through the door. Nobody opened the door. He didn't even knock. Knock and he'll open it. Seek and you'll find. I got news for you. He's so passionate about you. You don't even have to have the energy to knock. He's still coming after you. You don't even have the energy to seek and he's still coming after you. 
I don't care how afraid you are, broken you are, beat up you are, anxiety you are, I don't care how medicated up you are, he's still coming after you. I don't care how you wall yourself in, shut yourself up, put yourself away, seclude yourself, go into depression, deep, dark place, he will not leave you there. He, he will come right where you, because he, he is on a mission to get you his peace. He wants you to know him and experience his peace even though he doesn't change your circumstances like you think he's going to. Thomas, where are you? Jesus steps right in the middle of them. Now Thomas is in the midst. Jesus looks at the people and he says, here I am. He knew Thomas said that last week. He didn't wait for Thomas to ask. He said, Thomas, give me your hand. Now, he here's what he, give me your hand. Watch this. He didn't say, Thomas, stretch your hand, put it inside my side. To, to put your, no, he didn't say that. He, he took his hand. He said, let me help you along. Amen. He took his hand, yes. stuck it in his, thrust it, the Bible says, deep into his side. Watch Here's my nail-scarred hands, Thomas. Here they are. Put your fingers down inside there. Touch those things. Let them know they're real. Let them, yeah, touch them. You can't hurt them. Touch them. He touches them. Next words out of Thomas's mouth. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Now, I'll tell you the rest of the story here in just a minute. But here's what happened. Today, we tell people, he's, called, he's known as Doubting Thomas. No, I don't think he's Doubting Thomas. I think he's Faithfield Thomas. Because he wasn't willing to take James and John's and Peter and everybody else's revelation for, them, for himself. He, uh, no, listen, I appreciate the fact that you saw him and he has touched you and he has saved you. He blew on you and said, peace be unto you. And he took away the fear and the anxiety. I appreciate all of that. And it's a wonderful testimony for you guys. But I'm telling you right now, your testimony is not gonna be good enough for me. It'll build my faith, it'll get me back in the room, it'll get me right in the right position. However, I gotta know that I know that I know that I know for me. I can't go herald your testimony and bring you wherever I go. I gotta be able to tell my own testimony. So Jesus says, come on, show me, show me these things. Jesus says, here, touch them, touch them. My Lord and my God, he says. He got a revelation that said, oh my God, you are him. You are the one. You're the one we walked with, we talked with. All this stuff wasn't a lie, after all. Even though the circumstances of what I'm experiencing is not looking like it's greater than what I, I, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm feeling, I've learned. No, you have to touch him. He has to become real to you, and you have to become real to him. The days of us approaching him in some sort of, you know, fairy tale kind of way that looks at him and says, oh, dear heavenly father, sir, um, I hope I'm not you know, bothering you at this moment, but I know you, we've got some problems and if, if it be thy will, if it be thy will, I'd like for you to pray and to heal me or touch my body or put this back together. No, 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 listen to me. Those days are over. All right, those days are over. This is, this is, 
he beckons you to come to him. He compels you to come to him. And if you don't have the energy and the strength to come to him, guess what? He's coming to you. If you don't even know how to reach forth your hand and touch his side, he'll grab your hand and touch his side. If you don't even know how to understand the nail-scarred hands and the scars on his feet, he'll stick his foot right up in you and tell you, hey, touch that thing. I'm telling you the truth. He, there is a second wind. He looked at the guys, he blew on them, and he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. He said this, the peace I have from him, I'm now giving to you because as he sent me here to you, I'm sending you to them. And you have to have an experience for yourself for you to ever go out there with them. And the message you're gonna tell them out there is not everything is gonna be just all perfect. It's not always gonna be just fairy tale. And God is gonna do, sometimes you're going to hurt. Sometimes the pain in your side, the same time that pain in your hand, you're gonna have some scars in this battle. You're gonna have some stuff that hurt. You're gonna have to stand up and receive an offering, tell the testimony that your hip was healed just coming off the flu. You're gonna have to pray for somebody that has cancer while you're still dealing with cancer. They get healed and you're you're not even still struggling with chemotherapy. How can that be? How is that? Because your confidence and your faith is not in your circumstances. Your confidence and your faith is the reality in the reality of who he is. And once you have a story, once you see him for who he is, once you touch him and, he, and you feel him and you know him and things begin to change in your life, nobody can take it away from you. You don't have to say the Peter and John that they, that the Jesus that Peter and John served. It's, he's your Lord and he's your God. And when somebody comes up here and says to you, don't say negative confessions, you're going to say, stick out your hand, stick your hand in my side. Do you know what I've been through? I've gone through two bad relationships and going through my third. I've gone through bankruptcy and bankruptcy and I've lost everything I got, but get, stick your hand in my side. I get up every morning with pain in my body, but stick your hand in my side. My kids have turned on me. Everything's falling apart. Stick your hand in my side. Why? Because you don't know, like I know, that I have touched him. And he has brought me out of so many other things that this is just another thing he's going to bring me through. And it'll be a testimony. It'll be a witness. And I'm building up a library of my own realities not just a library of your realities. And all the things, all the things he's done for me, they're not even written in the book that you read in my life. There's so many things that he's done in my life that you haven't even read because I can't even write them all down how good he's been to me. This book can't even contain all the things he's done for me. When I didn't deserve it, he did it anyway. When I was lost and dead in my trespasses and sins, rebelling, turning away from him, falling away, didn't want anything to do with him or his people, he still come right after me. When I didn't even know how to reach out my hand towards him, he reached his hand towards me. He picked me up when I didn't have the energy to get up. He moved on him and my husband when my life was falling apart and I was ready to divorce him and so beyond, God raised him up and made him a godly man. He turned her heart towards me when there was nobody else's heart towards me. She was defending me when I wasn't defending myself. My kids weren't worth it. I've turned my back on them because they've done me wrong. They've done me dirty. I didn't know what to do. For, and they start coming in and all of a sudden now they say, mom, I'm saved. Something began to change. I don't understand what it was. I don't know what happened. All I know was 
I was by myself. I wasn't even in a church service. I didn't even hear a preacher say anything. I don't know what happened. All I know was I was minding my own business one day and I felt something come across me. And I was reminded of something that I heard. It said, you don't have to live this way anymore. You give this stuff to me, I'll just, I'll take it from you. I'll, I'll exchange your fear for my peace. He didn't ask me for a list of my wrongs. He just gave me his peace. He didn't ask me a list of my shortcomings. He just said, I'm gonna give you peace. He didn't say, God, it was, if you would have done that different, man, your marriage would still be put back. He didn't say all that. You know, he did not blame me or condemn me for anything. And he blessed me. He brought me here and gave me peace. And I can't explain it to you, Mom, but something has changed. And then you go tell somebody else, and you say, man, I, I really feel like I'm getting myself right with the Lord. And they'll tell you, somebody will look at you and say, yeah, we've, bless your heart, we've, we've heard that before. We've heard that before. Maybe this time it'll stick. If you just, if you stay faithful and you stay attending church and you stay in the word and you stay prayed up and you stay fasted up and you pray and you're looking at them going, you weren't in the room. I, I was closed up. I appreciate all the advice. And those are all good suggestions and really directives that I probably need to do. But you don't understand. I was locked up in this room, minded my own business full of fear and anxiety and the overwhelming problems of this world were just consuming my life. And all of a sudden, I look up and somebody got through the door. And he looked at me and he said, you have fear, but I'm gonna give you peace. Nothing changed. I got up out of the room and I looked at my, 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 my checking account was still as bad as it was before. I, I looked out and I still had the bad job that I didn't want. My marriage was still in, on the rocks. The kids were still turned away. No, my body still hurt. Nothing changed, but something on the inside of me received a peace that I can't even explain or even understand. In fact, it passes my understanding. It just goes right by me. All I know is, and, and, and the person's gonna say, well, yeah, but you understand, but you gotta get yourself in a good Bible-believing church. You, you, I'm you gotta get in there because you gotta hear the word. You gotta let them, they gotta know. They gotta they call, call, call sin is sin. And the man says, oh my God, I'm qualified. I can preach that message. I can preach the message of sin because I lived it for so long, I'm good at it. I can tell you all the sins that preach against them. I can tell you all, I can, but I need somebody to exchange their message of sin and message of fear and con condemnation, anxiety, depression for a message of peace. Is there somebody that can be a portable agent of peace? that transposes and transfers peace into somebody's life. Even though their circumstances have not changed, but peace is deposited inside of them. Not somebody that brings turmoil and confusion and condemnation and heaps more trouble on top. I'm talking about somebody that walks up to you and you just feel something that you can't even explain. They just make you calm and rest. That word peace in the scripture in Greek is prosperity. And everybody's cursing the prosperity gospel. But there ain't nobody cursing the peace gospel. And it's the same word. 
Because prosperity is a heck of a lot more than money. It's a rest. It's a peace. Oh, it's a quiet time. It's a calmness when your world is falling apart. It's a resolve when everything around you is going to the ground and something on the inside of you says, I don't know how I'm still standing. There's times I feel like fainting, but when I faint, somebody catches me. When I get weak, my knees buckle, and somehow I still find myself standing. Oh, and nothing's, nothing's changed. Oh, Thomas comes out of there as the only one. Look what he says. He says, Thomas, listen. You believe because you saw. Blessed are the people that believe and have never seen. What? what? That's how we got him to call the, the doubting Thomas. It's because he had to see to believe. What Jesus is saying is this. I don't have to walk in a room physically for them to believe me. Thomas, there should be enough of you out there that grabs the hand of the hurting person and tells them to stick their hand in your side and touch the scars on your hand. Tell, tell them about when your business went belly up. Tell them about your bad relationship that fell apart. Tell them when your kids turned against you. There, Thomas, there's gotta be enough of them out there that have experienced what you all experienced in here without having me having to physically walk through a room, walk through here and then me picking up their hand. No, because I said, Peter, peace I give you because I'm sending you. As he has sent me here to show you my scars, I'm sending you to them to show them your scars. And when you see them and they see you and they touch your scars, they see your hardships, and they see how God, they, I've, I've, you've overcome with peace in the middle of turbulent situations. Peter, they'll look at you and say, oh God, he's my Lord and he's my God. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been in hospitals and the man dying on the hospital bed, terminal, and he leads the nurse to the Lord. I've been there. I've been in prison. When they sit in prison and, 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 and the correctional officers are all gathered around mocking and looking at the inmates on the inside having church until one of the inmates look up and say, God wants to restore your marriage. And the correctional officer hits buckles and hits his knees. And he comes up and then the inmate says, are you okay? He says, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good. And he looked at, this is a true story. He looked at him and he said, and her name's Anita. Boom, he went straight to the ground. He says, you okay? He said, that's my wife, she's in need. She wants to restore our marriage. He said, get up on here on the inside of this circle. The correction officer gets inside that circle. Listen to this. He gets saved. How do I know? Because there was three or four people leading him to him and say, repeat after me, I am a sinner. You are, no, nobody said I'm a sinner. You are a, we never let him in a Romans 10, 9 and 10 prayer. My God, his knee buckled and he said, my Lord and my God. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? We got to get past all of this stuff of making this thing a formula, making this thing a template, and making everybody fit our little program, you've got to get in the middle of the mess, in the raw, in, the, in the, the reality of life where it's ugly, it's messy, it's dirty, it's fleshly, it's everything, because in the middle of it all, we have peace, we have grace, we have love, we have compassion, and we meet them where they are, because here's the trucks of that whole story. He looked at the disciples and said, whichever sins you retain, they retain. 
Whichever sins you remit, they're remitted. What? Yes. Disciples, Thomas, are you going to preach the message that keeps people's sins on them? Are you going to preach the message that takes the sins off of them? And guess what? They're subject to your message. I walked by a guy at Kroger. I was walking by a guy at Kroger the other day. He was standing in line and he was filthy mouth cussing, just mad. And I was walking by and I heard him. He was in the self checkout line and I went into the line with the, 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 the cashier. And I'm standing there and I'm looking at him and he's he's mad. He's cussing. He's on the phone talking to somebody, and it's just, it's just mad. And people are kind of taking notice of it, because I'm taking notice of it. So I go through the, you know, I start running some stuff through. I'm still listening to the guy. He's getting louder. And I'm thinking, oh, man. And I already knew what the Lord was going to do. And I thought, God, let me just go ahead and get my groceries and be out of here. I don't want to fool with this right now. I'm in a hurry. And so... I had a couple, and I had a few more things to get, and I know the Lord, I felt this, like, butterflies in my stomach, and I thought, so I went ahead and paid the lady. I said, just put these on a separate order, these other four or five items. I said, I'm go ahead and pay for these, because I gotta really hurry. Oh, she says, you in a hurry? So she's rushing through the, and I'm putting the number in and all this stuff. So I take the other thing, the items, and I go get behind this guy in the health self-checkout line, because I already paid for a partial. Now I'm gonna get the rest of them. And he's loud, and he's looking at me, and now he's, I mean, he's a little intimidating, actually. He's still staring at me, and he's yelling, and he's yelling at somebody on the phone, and he's cussing, like, really bad, and he's looking at me, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I would have been better off if I just paid for those four or five items, got out of here, and just prayed for him as I was driving down the street. So I stood, stood there for a few moments, and I'm thinking to myself, God, I know where this is going, and uh, something just kind of rose up inside of me, and I, it was, honestly, it was probably stupidity, but we'll call it boldness, and just for the sake of the sermon. And so I go, hey, I said, I need you to hurry. And I thought, oh my God, where and am I thinking here, okay? I said, hey, I need you to hurry. And I thought, and he, he, now whoever he was talking to wasn't his subject, it was me. And I'm thinking, and he's still got a few more items, but he only had a couple of items. And I said, I need you to hurry, I gotta get going, you know, like that. And, and now he's going, what is it? Is there a problem? Yeah, there's a problem. You need to hurry. And he's, oh, I'll call you back. And so I pick up my phone and I start trying to call somebody. <laughs> I'm gonna call, I'm gonna, hey, yeah, what's he exchange this message right now? So I picked up my phone and I opened it up and I put it back in my pocket. He said, you got a problem? I said, I really do. And he, he said, what's your problem, buddy? And I said, here's my problem. I was standing in the other lane and I was buying these groceries, and I heard you over here full of just, just misery. You were cussing, screaming, whoever you're cussing at. He goes, that's none of your business. I said, no, but I'm making it my business. And he, he looked at me, and he said, you want some of my business? And I said, oh, I've got something to tell you that you're really gonna hear. He said, what? And I said, I came all the way over here to tell you this. Your sins are forgiven. He said, what are you talking about? I said, your, your, your sins are forgiven. He said, I didn't ask you 
if my sins, that's what he said. I didn't ask you if my sins were forgiven. I said, I didn't ask you if I could tell you your sins were forgiven. It's a true story. I said, I didn't ask you if I could tell you your sins. I'm just telling you they're forgiven. You gotta deal with it. You, you gotta deal with it. You, you, your, your slate is clean. And here's the, here's the issue. If you can receive that, your life will change. He goes, what do you mean my life will change? What do you, what do you mean my life will change? And I said, I'm gonna tell you something, pal. He said, he was my buddy a minute ago. He said, he called me buddy, I called him pal. Pal, I said, hey pal, let me say something, pal. I said, listen, I said, I'm gonna leave that for you to find out on your own. He said, you're just gonna say my sins are forgiven and you're gonna walk out of here. I said, no, it's even gonna get better than that. I said, I'm paying for those groceries that you got through there. I paid for those groceries, I walked out, I got my stuff and I left. I look back, he walks out, he's looking for my car, and I'm going about 60 on their parking lot to get the heck out of there, all right? Because I'm going. I got in the car and I said, God, what in the world was that? The Lord says, you leave that up to me. You just tell him, you took those sins off of him. Now he's gotta deal with it. It's far better than a bad confession. It's far better than me and say, listen, man, I saw that you were doing your mess there, and if you'll just repent, turn from your wicked ways, God will change your heart. Listen to me, your sins are forgiven and that is enough if you can receive that to compel you to turn from your wicked ways. Stand with me. And needless to say, I go to food fair from now on I love you guys so much. I, I want you to be free from religion. I want you free from bondage. I want you free from fear. I mean, my God, we all got stuff. I know a guy that hears end time prophecy, but he has a horrible relationship with his wife. And he comes over and he talks about, and he goes, and he, he didn't have a marriage. And, I asked him one time, I said, man, he said, I trade all of that to have a good relationship with my wife. I said, what keeps you going? He said, my relationship with him is what keeps me going. Oh, I'm believing that's all gonna change one day. And I hope it does. But I hope this never changes one day. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? There's nobody looking around. I said it earlier that I'll say it again. There is a fresh wind of the spirit, of the breath of God that's blowing over the body of Christ and the earth today. I, I'm not gonna say just the body of Christ. I'm gonna tell you it's gonna be, it's blowing over the entire earth. The sinners and saved alike are getting this breath. And those of you that have I mean, just weary with life and going, how, you know, I really want to, to turn around. I wanted to, I can't tell you how it's all going to turn out for you. I could write your story and make it a Cinderella story at the end. Maybe all wonderful. But I know the one that wrote the story and I trust him. I know how he turns bad situations and makes them good. 
I know people that thought they'd never experienced, ever experienced joy again and now their heart's just full of joy. And the last thing that was supposed to take you out didn't do it. This one's not gonna take you out either. Things are gonna turn around because you're gonna turn around. You're gonna touch his hands, you're gonna touch his side and you're gonna say, my Lord and my God, you're more real to me than my circumstances. You're more real to me than life's tribulations and turbulence. My heart's broken and I'm hollow on the inside. I need your peace. And before you can even ask for that peace, he's already breathing that peace inside of you. Every head bowed and eye closed, no one's looking around. I'm gonna ask who in here today needs to receive, I'm not gonna have you come forward, I'm gonna pray for you all collectively. You need to receive the peace of God. Just raise your hand. I see your hands. You can put your hands back down now. I just get overwhelmed with life. Peace. It causes me just to get fearful and I start playing these things out in my head and before you know it, I've got this whole series of events going on in my mind that I've crossed all these bridges in my head that I never have come to in real life. But my goodness, I, if this happens, then that happens. And I live all these hypotheticals and, 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 and it just wears me out. And I look around the loved ones around me and I go, gosh, they're being affected by all this. And I wish I could change it because I know I'm the one, only one that can change it. They're dependent upon me and I got all this pressure on me. Peace. I add it up and it doesn't add up. I've, I've taken note, notebook after notebook and I've written it all down. I got a plan, it didn't work out that I thought it was gonna be. This guy I had faith in, this guy fell, fell through for me and, and I thought this one was gonna be it. And peace. Father, in Jesus' name, I release and breathe the very peace of God in the hearts and minds of the people that are here today. The Lord says, receive ye the Holy Ghost, the Prince of Peace, a peace that passes all understanding, a calm in the midst of the storm, a rest, a prosperity in the midst of all the confusion. Will I live or will I die? Peace. Will she go or will she stay? Peace. Will he come or will he go? Peace. Will they be saved or will they not be saved? Peace. God, will you restore it? Peace. Will you redeem it? Peace. I release peace that passes the very core of your understanding. The Lord said that there's going, you're going to experience a rest, a sleep that you have not experienced in recent times. 
<laughs> he also said that he's going to bring solutions to your situation and your problems. He's gonna bring them to you. And they're not gonna be the things you prayed for. They're better and bigger than what you could have prayed for. He said, you don't even have to stick your hand in his side, in his hand. He's gonna reach and grab it for you. Where you're weak, he's strong. He said, let the poor say I'm rich. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the sick say I'm whole and healed. Not because you're fighting a false, no, 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 no. It's because you're looking at the one that has it all. Father, in Jesus' name, I release that peace in here. I pray and prophesy that this is gonna be the best week that our people have ever had in the history of their life. I pray, God, there's gonna be an up and not a down. There's gonna be a, 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 a steamrolling approach, an attitude, an aggressive that says, I'm willing to take this thing on right now. I'm willing to just pick up. I'm, I've been weary, I've been down, I've been low. I've been, I've, been, I've been sitting down. I've been so full of fatigue because of all the situation. I've been heavy. And the Lord said, he's given you a lightweight. Now he's picking you up and saying, it's time to go forward. It's time to move ahead. You're afraid of what people will think. Quit worrying about what people think and do what God wants you to do. If it's in your heart, then do it. Don't worry about what everybody else says. But I'm to lose friends. I might lose some family members. People might turn on me. Let them turn on you because he's turning for you. And the Lord said, this week alone, you will see, you will see the goodness, the faithfulness. Oh my goodness. You will see his goodness, his faithfulness. You will see his goodness and you will see his faithfulness. He's going to do some things in your life this week that will blow your mind. You don't even have the intelligence to ask for him, but your heart is screaming for him. And God said, I'm gonna bring a peace and deposit that in your life that's gonna turn your life right side up because you've been living it upside down. He said, no more condemnation and no more shame. Don't worry about where you've been in the past. Know where I'm taking you in your future. The devil isn't hurting you before you are right now because of something you've done yesterday. He's trying to fight you to keep you from going into your future. And God said, I come through the door and I'm bringing you through this because I'm giving you my peace that passes all understanding and the peace and the power that I've given you will sustain you through everything. Father, thank you. I bless our people as they walk out of this door this Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.